Praise the Lord and welcome to our Romans Bible study here in my office on this beautiful Monday morning in Queen City, Texas at Crossway Church. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. I hope you get your Bibles, follow along with us this morning as we move a little further into Romans chapter 14. Uh, I do this every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. It'll be live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page as well as the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel. You can watch in both places later or you can also watch these broadcasts uploaded to the uh, website thecrosswaychurch.com. I also record everything I do wherever I am to an app called the Spreaker app and my channel is for those who have ears to hear and that is audio only so you can always listen if you follow subscribe to my channel there uh, you will find an alert when I go live and you can listen at any time whether it's live or it's later but I'm glad you're watching this whenever you're watching this is uh, if we're not learning the Word of God and that means really holding fast to the form of sound doctrine, sound words. It doesn't mean we know what to say. That means we're holding them and they're holding us in a, in a pattern and a lifestyle of obedience to God's word. We, it's not talking about we know what to say. That, that's good that we do. But holding fast the form of sound words uh, is for the purpose of so that the manifestation of obedience to God's sound words can be seen by others. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. So this is Romans chapter 14, and this is session 2, part 2, today on the last day of August 2020. About to move, getting closer and closer to moving in to fall and I'm really looking forward to that. I don't like the, the shorter days, but I do like the cooler temperatures here in northeast Texas. It gets a little hot and humid, so praise God. Let's jump in today to verse 6. And before I read, let's recap and, 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 and talk about for a moment what this chapter is really about, what the Holy Spirit is saying through the Apostle Paul to him and through him to us today is that we are not to judge, condemn, count what others are doing, nothing, uh, just because they are weak in the faith. I'm not talking about folks who <clears throat> are not in the faith. There is a difference between being in the faith and out of the faith rather than being weak in the faith or strong in the faith. And uh, we, we'll see that as we go along that, uh, you know, there, there are many, most today, if they're even in the faith, uh, are weak in the faith because without the understanding that the only object of faith for all humanity is Jesus and what Jesus did at the cross, that, may, that, will, that will make us weak in the faith. If we don't know that, because the only place of growth, of course, is by the Holy Spirit, but He's only legally allowed to work in our lives, even as the children of God, through our faith in what Jesus did for us as the legal act of 
giving himself at Calvary for us. When our faith remains there, we can begin to grow and receive the revelation, the illumination of God's word in, in more than man's wisdom, but in the power of God for living and being consecrated and learning how to live this life, this, this sanctifying truth, this sanctifying way, which sanctification and holiness are one and the same thing. And without being in the sanctification process properly, which means faith in the cross alone, then no man shall see the Lord in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12. Remember, unless we're following after peace and holiness, no man shall see the Lord in your ministry, in your life, You'll have to fake it. You'll have to start doing things and calling that the power of God. And so others will think, you will think that others are seeing the Lord in your ministry. But if your faith is not in the cross alone, you know, and you're not headed more and more into that determined place to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified as the only object of your faith, then you're not growing and you're not going to grow because that's the only place where we can find ourselves being stronger in the faith. And as we covered in the first session, it's not a, a big strong faith or a weak faith. It's us. The faith, the size of the grain of a mustard seed can move a mountain. All Christians have been given the measure, Romans 12, 3, of faith, which is the measure, the portion drawn out, given to each of us, of the faith of the Son of God, Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. Now think about that. So it's not the size of your faith, it's the object of your faith. And we need to always remember that because the object of our faith will be that which is either causing us to remain weak in the faith or possibly not even be in the faith. And I want you to get that today. I'm either weak in the faith or I'm being strengthened in the faith, learning God's Word in that avenue of righteousness, which means faith in the cross alone. You know, there are many today that say we're not listening to that preacher because all he talks about is the cross and we're beyond the cross. It's not just the cross. It is just the cross. As I've shared with you here recently, there are theologians and scholars throughout the ages that have written much about justification that is right, but they never knew the way of sanctification. I've not found one. I'm not saying it's just emphatically not any that ever were there because... I've not seen it. I've not read it. And all the big name scholars that have all the main books out on the shelves, as the one I shared with you recently about J.C. Ryle is his name, has a book on holiness. And he says in his book that it is very scriptural to say that we're justified by faith alone. Faith alone. But it is very, this is what he says, it is very unscriptural to say that we're, that we're sanctified by faith alone. He says, for it's not by faith alone, but faith in works, because our faith is dead. Without works, faith is dead. And James wrote that. But here's what he thought, that it's your faith and your works that sanctify. See, our works 
if they're because our faith is in Christ and Him crucified or the works of the Holy Spirit in and through us and they're a product, the fruit of us being in the sanctification process. They are not that which sanctify us because we are not saved, delivered, or mature by anything we do. What we do should be the fruit of our being matured by the Holy Spirit. I am beyond it, beyond words thankful for that knowledge today. For we be, we're being offered today that which scholars, theologians throughout the centuries did not know. It's been here the entirety of the time that the church has been here. Paul wrote it and we have it. But because our flesh is so consumed with thinking we have to work to get We've missed it. We're so ingrained to work, so born under law, and, and to escape law, uh, the, we understand what happened when we were born again. We're no longer being held by the law. We're no longer uh, having to go out there and try to be obedient to God because of uh, our, what we're doing. We became obedient when we trusted in the obedient one that died for us, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so we're very privileged, very blessed today to have been given this illumination of God's Word in this context of sanctifying power for daily living. Knowing that it's not what we do that saved us. It's not what we're doing that sanctifies us. It's what Jesus did at Calvary that does both. For it's all about Him. Hallelujah. Verse 6, Romans 14 he that regards the day regards it unto the Lord, and he that regards not the day to the Lord does he not regard it. He that eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks, and he that eats not to the Lord, he eats not and gives God thanks. That means if you won't eat nothing but veggies, you're giving thanks, or you're doing it unto the Lord, glory to God for you, hallelujah. But if I want to eat meat and I don't want to eat, I don't do it like you do it and I'm not uh, consecrated and devoted uh, in certain avenues such as what, what is our own leading of the Lord, we call it, it's true, or, or, or whatever. Just because I don't do it like you do it don't mean I, th that you need to condemn me and vice versa. I don't need to condemn you because you're not doing things like I do it. When we get to doing that, it proves we're not under grace, but we're operating as though we're back under law. Romans 2, 14 and 15. We excuse everybody if whatever they're doing is benefiting me. But when it stops benefiting me, then I accuse them. That's what happens under the law. Under grace, we see that God saved them. He saved me. They may be weaker in the faith. What this chapter is talking about, go back and read the first couple, two or three verses there. Just because somebody's weak in the faith doesn't mean we're to push them to the back and push them aside. The Bible says we're to receive them, but not for the sake of uh, having uh, uh, arguments and debates with them. Just keep preaching the gospel because that's the only avenue through which they're going to grow and become more mature in the faith. We need to remember that. Verse 7 says, For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. Now, now I have to say something about this. 
When it says he that regards the day regards it unto the Lord, and he that regards not the day the Lord to the Lord he, he does not regard it. He that eats eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he that eats not to the Lord he eats not, but he gives God thanks. Now, this is absolutely in no way talking about you can just go out and do what you want to contrary to the word of God. This does not mean that uh, if you regard Sunday as the day of worship, well, praise God for you. If you don't, praise God for you. No, no, no. We're, th this chapter is about us not condemning each other. It's not ours to condemn. We are not the judge. We do make judgments. We do notice those that are weak in the face, faith. <laughs> we notice those that are more mature in the faith. We notice those who are not living as they should be because they're not in the faith. We, we, we see those things. If you are walking with the Lord, you see things that people that are not walking with the Lord, even though they think they are, do not see. And so this is not talking about those that regard Sunday <coughs> as a day they go to church and fellowship with the congregation of saints and be planted in the house of the Lord as, as great, but if they choose not to do that, that's okay too. No, no, that's not what no no, that's not what this is talking about. Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, we see that we're not to forsake the assembling together of ourselves as some have. Those are, it's always those, I'm not talking about people who are sick and can't, but those people, listen, those people can't just get up and go anywhere they want to. They just don't go to church. You see, God's looking on the heart. God knows the reality of every heart, every situation, and God can't be mocked. He can't be manipulated, and we need to get real with that thought in our hearts. But I can't, I can't just uh, think that, well, I, you know, this scripture right here, I don't regard Sunday as my day of worship. Well, you should regard every day as your day of worship. But if you don't, I'm not going to condemn you because I'm not the judge. I'm going to love you, pray for you, pray for your maturity. Uh, you know, that's why, you know, preachers who won't speak to people in Walmart anymore because they left their church. Well, that's, that's a type of trying to get their condemnation to be seen toward them. I'm, you know, I'm not pleased with them. I'm not speaking to them. I'm avoiding them. We're called to love and to be a blessing in spite of whatever. I'm going to say that again. We're called to love, forgive, and be a blessing in spite of whatever. Amen. Because if we can't treat those people who are not doing what we think they ought to be doing the same as we treat anybody, then what we think we've got, we don't have. We've been forgiven, we can forgive. We are loved and we can love. And if we're not experiencing those things, then our faith is not what we say it is. And that's just the way it is. Now, I understand weak in the faith means I'm learning these things. I'm growing in this manner. But after a few years... I can't just use that excuse. Well, I, I must still be growing. Well, we're all growing, my friend. But if your faith is really in Jesus and what he did at Calvary, then you're not going to condemn because he didn't condemn you. If you're walking in a place where you realize every day that the Lord's not condemning you, 
you're, you're not going to make excuses for sin because you're going to see the awfulness of what happened at Calvary on your behalf to forgive you and get you out of sin also be able to that same faith mature you draw you closer to him be more intimate with him have a greater desire to please him and to grow as a child of God so we can't use scriptures such as this to say I don't I'm not regarding Sunday as my day of worship no you have to be planted in a local church you have to be being assembled together with the people of God. If you're not, I'm, I, and again, I'm talking about people who can. They're, they're, they're not in some way where they can't. I'm not talking about people who live in a town or a city where there is no cross-preaching church to go to. And that's what they're called. Gospel-centered means cross-preaching church. Scriptures are open and there Christ is presented. Hallelujah. Amen. When, when, the, the Word of God, the law of the covenant was read in the Old Testament. Moses sprinkled blood on the people and everything. C could we look at that this morning for those sake of those of you who didn't see the message yesterday? Let me see if I can find this. Exodus 24, this is the confirmation again. A, another confirmation that every word must and can only be experienced through our faith in the blood or it's not obedience to the Word of God and the understanding of what we say we have is not understood properly. Exodus chapter 24, let's look at verse 6. And Moses took half of the blood from the sacrifice and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar, symbolic of the blood that would be shed for us at Calvary. Verse 7, this is Exodus 24, and he took the book of the covenant, the word of God, and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said will we do, and we will be obedient. Verse 8, And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. The blood of the covenant concerning all these words. For there is absolutely no person who's ever lived outside of Jesus Christ who's obeyed the law fully, which means we've become sinners and guilty before God. And His wrath has been against us. And that's why the Lord gave us the blood upon the altar, the Old Testament says, for the atonement of our souls. Because no matter how much we say, I can do this, I can't do this. Even as a new born-again Christian, I'm going to serve God all the days of my life. Oh, hallelujah. I'm never going to do that again. I'm always going to do that just to wake up and find it ain't working. <laughs> it won't work unless we have faith in the blood and are holding fast to Jesus and what he did at Calvary so that all 
these words might become the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. Nothing of God works for the Christian unless we're seeing all of God's Word through the blood. Not just because of the blood, but through the blood. Because all of God's words are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. And righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. Romans 1, 16 and 17. And the gospel is the good news that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die, to shed His blood so that you and I might be made the children of God. A new creation in Christ and now be led by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God who is truth, into the truth of God's Word to express Him greater. You need to highlight that in your Bibles. You need to share that. That unless our faith is not was, but is in the blood of Jesus today, unless we're studying God's Word in the context of Calvary, which is the avenue of righteousness, we will hold God's truth in an unrighteous situation, meaning there can be no fruit. I can quote Scripture. I can tell you what the Scripture says about all those problems, but unless I'm looking through the blood and pointing them with the Scripture to Jesus and what He did at Calvary, they'll just go out and think they have to try harder, which is what 99.9% of all preachers are telling God's people every week. You've got to try just a little harder. You've got to do these three things, and then God will... No, we've got to look to Christ and what He did at Calvary. And if that's where our faith is found by the Lord, the Holy Spirit will guide us into the law of liberty. Hallelujah. God's Word in its liberating form, those, that, those, those words that have form, the form of sound words, sound doctrine, that always manifest in the fruit of obedience. You see, without obedience in my life, what is there for others to see that I'm really the Lord's? For my light to shine, for me to be the flavor, the salt that God says I am, without obedience to His Word, what is there to be seen? What is there to be tasted? Do you get that? This is powerful. And the New Testament says that the Old Testament was written for our in samples. That means the stamp. That means the guide. That means the pattern. And let me tell you what the Lord told me last week. What happened in the Old Covenant of Israel is going to happen in the church. It is an in sample. It is a type of the church. They were under the law of Moses. We're under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The covenant is better. The promises are better. To whom much is given, much is required. Not less is required. Oh, that's Christianity today. I don't have to do anything. Hallelujah. I don't know. That's using your liberty as a cloak of licentiousness, a license to say, I'm so free, I don't have to do anything. Absolutely not. You're so free. So much has been given us as children of God under the new covenant that much is required of you. But it's going to take the Holy Spirit 
We're living in, let me say it again, we're living in a time where the church is making excuses using God's Word for all that they don't have to be about. All that they don't have to do. And they're using God's Word. They're, that means they're trying to manipulate God and change God's mind instead of just humbling themselves and with a broken, lowly heart approaching God. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Let's go back to Romans chapter 14 where we are today. Verse 7, For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. Now, he's talking specifically about Christians here who are living for God, whether they're weak in the faith or they're maturing stronger in the faith. It, we, don't, we don't live to ourselves. Whatever I'm regarding or not regarding, I'm doing it unto the Lord. He says, For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. <laughs> Even our death is unto the Lord. We need not fear death. The sting's been taken out of it by the Lord through what He did at Calvary. <coughs> he took the sting of death out. He took the sting out of death for us. Hallelujah. The sting of death was the law that we couldn't keep, the sin that we were. Think about that. Think about that. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. For whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, saints. We've been given everlasting and abundant life to walk in every single day without fear. We can serve God in righteousness and holiness. That's Luke chapter 1, verse 74 and 75 should be so convicting to the child of God that because the enemy has been defeated, you and I have been granted of the Lord through faith in the blood of Jesus to become servants to God, servants of righteousness. And the Bible says there in Luke chapter 1, verses 74 and 75, that because of the blood of Jesus, because we've, been, we've overcome in Christ, that we can serve God every day of our lives without fear in righteousness and true holiness. Hallelujah. He says in verse 9, For to this end... For this purpose, Jesus Christ both died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of the dead and the living. Now, he's not, now, now when, when the Bible says Jesus is the Lord of the dead, he's not talking about the Lord of a dead corpse laying there who has no life in it. He's talking about those who are dead, they, they, they've gone on to be with the Lord. And think about this, under the old covenant, they couldn't even go to heaven as believers in the coming promised Redeemer. They could only go to a temporary holding place because the blood of animals were only temporary until Jesus came. Hallelujah, that perfect sacrifice. But when Jesus died, he went to Abraham's bosom. He went to paradise, Ephesians 4, and he 
led captivity captive to himself, led them out. The book of Matthew says many of them walked right into Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that was a type of what's coming as we come back with the Lord. All those who've gone on to be with the Lord, we're going to come back and reign with him for a thousand years. Back to the point here, Jesus, through his death, and because he is the Lord of the dead and the living, he went to get those who had died, who were dead. Doesn't mean death doesn't mean you're not existing. Death just means you're no longer existing where you were. <laughs> hey, glory to God. When you died with Jesus through faith in what he did for you at Calvary, there was a death. He died for you. You died with him, crucified with him, the Bible says. Therefore, there was a change of location for you. Death is not some annihilism where there's absolutely, it's over and there's nowhere to be found. Oh no, it's just a change of locations. And because of Jesus dying and having atoned for all sin of all humanity, Hebrews 2 and 9. Jesus died for all men. Don't listen to the Calvinist on that. Jesus died for all men. Stick with the Word of God. You'll do a whole lot better. He was able to go and show himself as the Lord of the dead. Those that were still God's people, but they were what? They were dead, meaning they were separated from where God was. And when Jesus died... He became the Lord of the dead. Those who go on now under the new covenant to be with the Lord immediately. To be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because He is the Lord of those who've gone on the dead and those who are here that are here today alive. He's the Lord of all. For to this end Christ both, both died, verse 9, and rose and lived again that He might be the Lord of the dead and the living. So verse 10, and we'll have to start here on Thursday morning, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you set at nothing your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now we'll start right here Monday morning. I want you to tune in when you can. And we're going to be talking about the judgment seat of Christ. The, the, the main purpose of this 14th chapter is so that we won't be condemning folk along the way. Because we're not the judge. We got a judgment seat coming. I'll say this, but I got to go. The maturing Christian, the Christian who's maturing, of course, without faith in the cross, there is, there is no maturity because we're not even in the faith. But, but we all dabble. We all are trusting that work of Christ. And then all of a sudden we wake up and realize we're trusting so much. And we're growing to depend solely upon Christ. We're learning to do more than say all my hope is in Christ. We're learning to allow all our hope to be in Christ. And we're all at different levels. But the maturing, the more we mature, the more we have one eye on that coming judgment seat of Christ and one eye following Him here and now to bear fruit to, 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 so that because we understand we're going to stand before him and be judged 
at the judgment seat of Christ. We'll get more into, uh, more into this on Thursday morning. Join us at 8.30 a.m. Central Time every Monday and Thursday and Friday mornings right now at 9 a.m. Central Time. We're in the book of 2 Timothy. Don't forget to pray for us. We're praying for you. Believe in God for great increase and in maturity in your life. And don't forget to sow into good ground. Those of you who are faithful to the Lord and want to prove the sincerity of your love uh, through your giving, the Bible says you can do that at 903-231-5950. Again, if you're texting your giving, it's 903-231-5950 or you can donate at thecrosswaychurch.com. God bless you. We love you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.